Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. Welcome to this episode of the Catalyst Podcast, where you get to meet Dr. Jeff Geller. And this is a fantastic interview because he is the innovator of group medical visits for integrative medicine. He is the award-winning 2020 Massachusetts Family Physician of the Year. He's known as the innovator in the field of family practice medicine, creating group medical visits based on award-winning research on loneliness from 1996 to 1999, and he developed an empowerment model of care. He created the first fellowship in integrative medicine for the underserved in 2005, and he was awarded the Champion of Health Award in 2008 by the U.S. Surgeon General and the Power to Change Our World Award in 2012 by FMEC. He's the current president of ICGMV and the past president of Integrative Medicine for the Underserved. So, In this interview, we unpack group visits, and you know how much I love group visits in my membership model for functional medicine. This is what I teach inside Catalyst Studio, but you'll learn there are so many different ways of running a group visit, and we're going to go over the benefits, both insurance and in entrepreneurial care. We're going to talk about some common pitfalls that you might encounter, how to do group visits if you're an introvert, how to learn what your community needs and why feedback is important. You're going to learn some of the exciting things coming up with group visits as a great value-based option for capitated healthcare. He's measuring outcomes. He's reducing loneliness and ER visits. Group medical visits is something that every practice should have. Whether you're a solo doc or you're in a multi-modality clinic, you definitely want to listen to this interview with Dr. Jeff Geller. Dr. Jeff Geller, I'm so excited to have you on the Catalyst podcast. This is something I have been wanting uh, for so long. I've been such a fan of you in so many years. I heard first about you, um, I think it was through James Maskell on his podcast, you know, about delivering group visits. And then um, I've just been watching all the beautiful things that you've done, you know, just innovating healthcare for, for decades. And truly, um, thank you for having this hour of your time just to talk on the Catalyst podcast. So without further ado, um, welcome, Dr. Jeff. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thanks for having me. I um, Let's see, about myself. I'm a family doctor. Uh, I've about 30 years, coming up on 30 years of practice, which is incredible to say. Uh, I've devoted most of my years to working with underserved, though the word sometimes gets changed, but people who are poor and trying to overcome the obstacles of inequities in healthcare. And uh, other than that, I'm a father, I have children, I love the outdoors, I love gardening, you know, so uh, super happy to be here and, and share what I've learned over the many years uh, nothing has happened quickly for me, but, uh, sharing the cumulative of what's, what's been going on. So, yes. And so true. I love that you're very well-rounded. You live out your values. It's very evident in any of the conferences and places that I've been able to see you speak most recently at ICGMV at your national, you know, conference that you do every year on how to run group visits, because there isn't really one way. And that's what I love about how you're displaying this to the world. There's ideas and foundations that you can have in place on running a group visit. But before we get into some of those questions, what inspired you to really consider helping people, especially when when there's a lot of inequities in health and when functional integrative medicine can be viewed as only reserved for the elite because it's time intensive and it's complex and it's personalized. And, and I love that you just cracked that nut and said, nope, we're going to, we're going to deliver this in a a grander scale. So bring me back to those first days. Uh, You know, it's hard to remember those first days as time goes by, but I know that uh, somewhere in very early in my, um, in my life, even maybe let's call it medical education, maybe before that, 
you you sometimes have an epiphany and and uh one of my epiphanies was that people who are lonely are doing a lot worse than people who aren't lonely and so i went into medicine with that kind of angle and uh you know certainly i, I was an electrical engineer i was a numbers person i still am so i have a research bent you know and loneliness tends to be a softer area you know wasn't well defined so i found myself you know just going through life trying to figure out what is this connection and it became obvious to me that it was huge you know and and uh i didn't quite have a voice or a platform or anything like that but um seeing people in groups sure makes sense in terms of reducing loneliness and so um you know there were different uh patients and people i met in 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 along the way you know so uh really uh and I think what the Surgeon General has been saying lately in the United States here is that loneliness is the current pandemic, co-pandemic, you know, with all the medical ills and things that are going on. So I just got lucky to see that at a younger age. Yeah. Yes. And you kind of were perfectly primed to take that center stage again with the pandemic. You know, you'd been working on this you know, bridging of the loneliness for decades. And then we had the pandemic, like you said, where I saw a recent stat that before the pandemic, uh, the average American between ages of 20 and 40 would have six hours that they would spend per week interacting with their friends. And now it's down to two. Um, people are more comfortable being at home. People are more comfortable just kind of being a hermit, myself included. And so tell me about those early times when you're when you're rolling out a group visit. I remember your, some of your stories that, you know, you were helping people just meet each other in a different space. And it ended up being this really great ecosystem of support. How would you speak on that? How has that helped bring people together? I think so. I was uh, um, here a nerd, an electrical engineer. I'm uh, a bit of a introvert, okay, and uh, you know, here I am finding out that you got to bring people together, right? So it was not necessarily a match in that way, but it, it was very good because it it kind of I was able to come at it in a different way. Like, huh, what are the factors that make people like each other? What would make someone think that they're friends with one another? And um, honestly, it was just a learning curve the whole way. You know, I can't say anything was pre-planned. You know, I, I said, huh, I have a lot of diabetics. We don't have enough doctors in our community. What if I saw them in a group, right? And then people would come and, and I was humble enough at that point to say, what do you need in this community to feel better? And the answer would never be, we need more testing. You know, it would never be, we need more insulin. You know, it would always be something like, I need to visit my family. And because I'm urinating every 10 minutes, I can't go anywhere, right? So you really hit right off the bat with humanity. And then I wouldn't have the answers to any of these problems, but the other people in the group often would, right? So it became a real learning curve in that the physician generally sees themselves as the person who problem solves and comes up with the answers. And certainly with my engineering background, I felt the same way as I went into medicine, like, oh, I'm gonna make these diagnoses. And then once I have the diagnosis, I'll give the treatment. But you learn that life is a lot muckier than that. You know, uh, you can't tell someone this. I always talk about pomegranates because um, I think 30 years ago, someone said pomegranates are the healthiest food. And I looked at my patients in, in the poor city I was in and I was like, the chances of anyone here getting a pomegranate are low. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, so. I love I, just speaking on that and pausing. It takes a lot of humility, I think, as a physician, and that's very laudable for your character and your integrity to move into an uncomfortable space like holding a group visit and then also knowing that's a different skill set. Um, I say this often in my Catalyst Studio mentorship when I'm mentoring other professionals and, and especially in healthcare, talking to them that group visits is a different skill because you're mostly facilitating. You take this sort of sidestep and yeah, you have some expert in you, but that's not the center stage. You're really there to create this alchemy of, of support. And I love how you just boldly went into that. Even as an introvert, I'm an ambivert. So there's many times I'm an introvert as well. What kind of advice would you give for those professionals that I meet every day that say, well, I kind of am nervous in a crowd. I don't know how to like, how did you get yourself through and push yourself through into that area? Uh, the community, the community was just so supportive. You know, I, I, 
I, you know, when you become a doctor, you don't really realize that the esteem that people will sometimes put on you or the higher level of things. And so just by walking into the public library and having a group made me, I think, a little bit more accessible to people. And they were able to say, you know, you know, I would say, don't eat rice. It's bad for you. Right. And, and saying that to a, a very Latina community is it's not the right answer. You know, it's like, well, how can we eat rice and what are some other options and what are some other things we can do? So, you know, my advice is, especially uh, if you're an introverted person like I was, I'm not so sure I'm still introverted because I'm, I'm very comfortable talking now, but you don't need to talk <laughs> to run a really good, effective group. In fact, my Spanish was terrible and uh, I ran Spanish speaking groups and I would just have to sit there and say, what are you saying? And what did she just say? And what did he just say? And is everyone okay here? You know, and uh, now I'm, I'm fairly fluent, but it was, uh, you know, it, it's just, you have to trust that um, people want good things for one another, you know, and that people want to help one another. And you're right, there's a huge skill to facilitating. And we spend a lot of time helping to train people in our nonprofit because, uh, you know, just a couple things, a couple pointers, a couple ideas, ways of seeing things differently allows the patient to have ownership of their problems, allows people to feel comfortable asking for help and advice. And, you know, feeling like someone cares about you makes you want to change. So, you know, the, the functional medicine um, is really amazing. And I was introduced very early in my career because I was lucky enough to work with uh, Bob Luby, who now heads the educational department of the Institute for Functional Medicine, I believe. You know, so I was exposed to those things early, but it was like, okay, you need to sleep more. You need to eat more vegetables. You know, you got to avoid toxic things. You know, it, it's a very big picture, but it, it's like, yeah, but what makes you want to exercise 10 minutes a day? You know, it's because someone might, you have to be accountable. Someone cares about you. You know, Laura, have you exercised yet today? You know, you're looking good. You're looking tired. You're looking, you know, knowing that right. someone cares enough. And that's the community that I, I try and create in our empowerment type models. You know, there are many models, but that's my favorite model. I love that. And I love the word empowerment. And I think the older I get as a clinician and a healer, I, I realize that medicine isn't very prescriptive. I think we want to make it be prescriptive. And like you mentioned earlier, that, you know, persona of being a physician. I know the answer. I know what to do. Um, I have a protocol. And the longer I'm doing this, the more I realize it's really about surrendering and trusting that if they have the community support and the people to give them answers and they will find their path. Yes, we have expertise on interpreting labs and helping them kind of find the next best step, but we have to adapt and personalize it to their life. We can't, like you said, we can't tell them go eat pomegranates when I mean, I'm in the middle of the Midwest, you know, and what's that going to do for me? And and I love that you've taken this, it just so many steps ahead, helping patients feel comfortable with that. There's a lot of this insecurity, I think, um, in certain communities where patients think, why would I want to go to a group visit? You know, it makes no sense. Um, it For me, my origin was, it was like my poor man's version of a health coach. I was the health coach. I thought, you know what? I can't afford a health coach right now, so I'll be it. And I will be there to support you in between your office visits. And what I found is they supported each other because they would share, oh, there's a sale at Aldi's here, or this is my favorite recipe that I did during the elimination diet. And, and that's the beauty is you can sit back and watch that magic happen. What are some stories like that that you remember? You know, Do you have any stories that you just make your heart glow on, on the impact that group visits can have? Every day. You know, every day, you know, there's, um, so I've been doing this for 30 years, right? So I have some people who've been in my groups for 25 years and just the level of knowledge, uh, about a person is, is incredible. And so, you, you know, you remember like, oh, this is the anniversary of a death of someone in your family. You know, I know why you're depressed now. Right. But uh, just the other day, you know, we have a fun what we call a functional medicine group and we have a, a functional medicine dietitian who comes and uh, we talk about all of these things. And uh, during the holidays, there were a lot of people who didn't have anywhere to go or, or anyone to be with. So we held our own kind of multi, you know, ambiguous religion, not religion, uh, marking of the time. It's the darkest day of the year 
place to be with one another. And uh, what people were saying in a gratitude circle was just uh, mind blowing how important that these strangers had become to one another, how much they cared for one another and felt comfortable coming. And, you know, from a medical point of view, that reduces stress. It makes people have less loneliness, which we now think is one of the biggest risk factors for all health problems, and uh, which is hard to get your hands around, but it's multifactorial, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I get to show up and then people will ask me now, you know, how are you doing, Dr. Geller? You know, was it a tough week for you, right? So uh, my burnout is like zero. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel very lucky to um, to have these communities forming. And, uh, you know, every group has a different personality. So it's not, it's not that easy. But, you know, we have kids groups where there are kids who might get picked on at school or whatever. And the community we create for them is very safe and loving. And uh, it's a place where they can focus on their health or their mental illness. We've started behavioral health groups. Um, so all of our groups have kind of always been trying to treat loneliness on the side. But now we get to overtly say, hey, we're all here because, you know, we have trouble sleeping. We're all here because we have anxiety. We're all here because we've had trauma in our lives. And so, um, you know, being more overt about it, you can really bring um, a higher level of compassion and understanding. Um. Hey, have you visited the Catalyst Way yet? It's an online hub designed just for you, where we spark your creativity, passion, and flow to build your own self-expressive medical career. There's so much to explore inside the Catalyst Way. If you're a functional medicine practitioner, check out our Catalyst Studio Mentorship, your gateway to membership micropractice, with everything you need to grow and scale your functional medicine business, including private mentor sessions, masterminds, access to quarterly legal lounges, and much more. Or peek inside the world's first digital subscription delivery box service that delivers monthly content to make your functional medicine clinic run effortlessly, including customizable infographics, SOPs, templates, and hand-selected mastermind recordings. Or maybe you just want some entertaining and useful CME. You'll find that at the Catalyst Reclamation CME online course. You'll learn neuroscience behind burnout, embrace flow, master your calendar, fortify boundaries, and transform your burnout into boundless energy and joy using our three-step AHA method. It's approved for 10 hours of AMA Category 1 CME. Use the code podcast for 10% off. And because I'm a practical mom of three, guess what? The Catalyst Way also has tons of freebie content too. My favorite is the Catalyst Compass Quiz, which matches you to an ideal jumpstart strategy to find your spark. But I also love the free Catalyst Calendar Time Management System and Functional Micropractice Checklist. It's all here at The Catalyst Way. Visit drlarasalier.com forward slash catalyst to start coloring outside the lines. We're creating empowered, self-expressive clinicians as catalysts who lead healthcare transformation. Are you a catalyst? Visit drlarasalier.com forward slash catalyst now. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I don't know if you're familiar with the book, The Art of Gathering. Uh, I think her first name is Priya. She wrote a very a New York Times bestseller. It's reminding me of what you're saying called The Art of Gathering. And she talks about elevating the idea of gathering our friends. And, and there's a true art to having a meaningful gathering. And I and I really loved that book because it dove into purpose. And she talks about when you have a why over your purpose of the gathering, it makes it so much easier to align the food or the events or the reasons and the people. And, um, and a lot of it goes into group visits as well. And you've mentioned in some of your conferences, the closed cohort, open cohort, there's many flavors of group visits, as you've highlighted, you have the kids group, the mental health group. And you mentioned people have been in these groups for 30 years with you. That's amazing. Um, so how do you right now, this is, I guess, more of a detailed question. Are all of your groups more diagnosis or symptom-based, or do you have any just general potpourri, anybody can come in and, and have some support? Yeah, you know, so very early on, I got away from um, diagnosis-based groups. You know, if you're, if you're trying to uh, reduce loneliness, 
and you start thinking, who would be a good friend for Lara over there? It may not be someone who has the same medical illness. You know, I, I have asthma, full disclosure, right? But I have no idea if my friends have asthma. And if someone pulled out an inhaler, I'd say, oh, my God, me too. Let's be friends. No, I don't think so, right? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, right? But, uh, you know, so there are bigger unifying things that bring people together. So we, we are more of, I'd say, an activity-based you know, so we have acupuncture groups, massage groups, um, groups where you just talk, um, groups for older people, younger people, groups for Spanish speaking people only, groups for English speaking people only. You know, so we try and figure out what what creates the connection in people. And yeah, if you could focus it more to a diagnosis, that's fine. But, you know, uh, doesn't uh, almost every diagnosis comes down to, are you eating okay? Are you exercising regularly? Do you feel supported? Um, you know, a pain group will have a different level and a different feel than a obesity related group, you know, for sure. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's easier for us clinicians to, to start groups based on diagnosis or to, to get our hands around it. Like, oh, we'll have a curriculum about diabetes or a curriculum about something else. But um, it's just so much more effective. You know, I've, I've tried those things too. I've tried everything, right? And so I try and distill like what really works is you get a group of people together and say, what do you need? And uh, what would be interesting for you to find out about? Yes. Oh my gosh. You are singing the song in my heart because early on when I tried and started group visits six years ago, five, I don't even remember. My practice is so young compared to your your 30 years, although I think I'm older than you, but doesn't matter. We're wise souls, let's just say. Um, <laughs> when I started the group visits, I I really felt uh, a discomfort with the diagnosis model. And I feel like in conventional medicine, it is easier to put people in buckets. And, and we're encouraged even in functional integrative medicine, oh, you're an HPA axis problem. You're a gut problem. You're a cardiometabolic problem. And we're encouraged, we'll hold a group visit based on that because people will feel like they have something to talk about. But I didn't like that either because I felt like, are we that reductionist? Are we just a diagnosis? And so my group visits are open and potpourri and everybody, you know, of all different diagnoses, young, old, you know, they... In fact, I think that adds better flavor and spice because the veterans will sort of take on the newbies and say, oh, yeah, I remember when I had my early mold journey and I was really suffering. Um, you're going to be fine. And and there's a magic to that, you know. Um, but I'm curious, um, how do you in this open, well, I would say just more of a, a wider model, how do you keep it fresh? Are you constantly, you know, putting out new topics every week? Um, how does that go with I, that? I really just listen to the group. Like uh, there, there's an endless supply of what people want to learn about. Um, recently, I went to Sri Lanka. I'd never been to Asia. And uh, I came back with a bag of cashews that are supposedly the world. They're called royal cashews. They're supposedly the best cashews in the world. And so I, I brought it to my nutrition group and I said, who wants to try one of the best cashews in the world and uh you know everyone's hand goes up and so so we all eat it and is it the best cashew you've ever had and not everyone thinks it is and some people go oh my god that was the best cashew i ever had and so then that group said we'd like to taste the best of everything wouldn't that be interesting now i, I don't know how healthy that is and especially <laughs> in the poor community it's like well you know this bag of cashews would have cost $50, you know, cause it's like the primo, whatever, you know. Um, but okay, what is the best um, orange, right? So we brought in one $10 Suma orange and we all had a slice of it and it was okay, you know, but it, it's kind of, now the group has like this thing, like, huh, what is the best tea? What is the best? We want to try the best. And I think they're saying to themselves, the best isn't so much better than like what we have right? I've had a better orange than this. You know, what makes this the best? You know, I don't, I don't know, you know. And so, uh, it just gives us a nidus point from which to talk about food and talk about preferences and talk about how we would spend our money. You know, I don't think I would spend $50 for that cashew. Planters makes a good peanut, right? Or whatever. So, um, uh, just there's an endless amount of curriculum ideas, you know, that, that, Yes. Come from our patients. And we've spent months just talking about chocolate, you know, and it's more fun to talk about chocolate and call it chocolate and eat different types of chocolate, right? Than to talk about 
um, antioxidants. So, uh, uh, was it resveratrin or, you know, mm -hmm. what the breakdown of these things are. But, you know, we found out there are some bad things about chocolate. You know, there's heavy metals in chocolate. Um, there are safer chocolates. There are chocolates that are bad for you. There are chocolates that have more fat. There's synthetic chocolates. White chocolate isn't chocolate. You know, things that I didn't know people needed to learn. We're, we're, all, we're all learning. And then you do that for a while. And then everyone says, okay, I think we've had enough about chocolate. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that you let the community drive. You know, you kind of put them in that front seat and say, what would you like to learn? Um, and that shows that just the adaptability and flexibility that group visits offer a practitioner. Again, whether you're a solo doc all by yourself or you have all the other multimodality, you know, people around you like health coaches, right? You could have, you know, guest speakers. That's what I would do is invite my like-minded practitioners, whether chiropractor, massage, acupuncture to come in and give a tapping tutorial or, you know, our, our trauma therapist to come in and give a virgin's technique to help break panic attacks. You know, how neat to, to be able to allow your community to benefit from discussion of chocolate, right? They're never going to look at chocolate the same. and and I had to really remove myself from this idea that as a physician, I had to see a lot of people to make impact. You really just need to reach one person and those people in your group are going to go tell their family and their friends. And it's just this like domino effect that I bet, I bet there's probably six degrees of separation between you and somebody else that knows all about chocolate now. And I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, no, for for sure. And, you know, what really the groups do from our administrative point of view. So uh, one of the biggest barriers that people say they have to starting groups is my administration won't, won't go for it. But the work that I do does see a lot of patients. You know, I average six build patients an hour, right? And, uh, and it's easy for me. We have a team. We work together. Uh, I feel it's meaningful my group ends, I'm done, right? Like it, it's, it's a very slick operation that we have, even though we're in a, in a community that is under-resourced. And, um, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we run groups like a Suboxone group where uh, it's actually just providing a needed service. You know, I do it in an empowering way. Do you guys want to listen to music? Do you want to play, a, do a puzzle? What do we want to do? Do we want to talk? And yeah, you can bring in behavioral health clinicians, you can bring in, um, you know, one of our more popular groups is the massage group. Can you wonder why? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, we have, we, we employ a massage therapist and she's able to use our space and uh, provides more massage to our community and massage isn't covered by insurance, right? But because I can see six people in an hour, and we pay her $35 for that hour of her giving everyone a 10 minute massage, you know, the economics really work out uh, favorably for our practice and for her. And then the people in the community get uh, a free massage in their mind, even though their insurance is kind of supporting that. So, um, you know, just a lot of, uh, a lot of people, it depends where you're coming from. If you're from a more uh, an education-based community, then they may want a lecture series. You know, I come from a under-resourced community, so they want massages, acupuncture, things that they can't afford, right? But in your clinic, you can provide it. In a more affluent community, they might say, well, I already get massage and I can get acupuncture. I want to know more personalized information or a higher level of education. So, you know, it depends where you are and who your community is. And uh, again, if you just listen, they'll say, hey, this is this is this is what we would want and then your your single best measure is do they come right if people aren't coming well then your group is probably not either meaningful or valuable or fun or you know whatever the things that motivate people to come oh beautiful i love that you talk about listening and that is a key thing that i i really emphasize in any practice is feedback. I think we're scared of feedback, but feedback can be our best friend. You know, when when we learn if something changed or we're not getting the results we thought, we need to ask the people that we're serving. And so being very, you know, religious about 
asking what's working, what would have made this an immediate yes to join, or why didn't you join, or what do you, why did you leave, or how can I make this more engaging? Um, and that keeps it fresh. And and the other thing I find common that practitioners will tell me, oh, I don't know about it, doing a group visit, is they're scared they have to commit to a certain method and a certain way of doing it, almost like it's dogmatic. And it's kind of your house, your rules. There's so many different ways. You know, you can change your mind if your group is not working. Like you said, you, you have a topic or you have a method and it just, it initially took off and maybe it dwindled. You can change the rules. You can change it up. And and I remember in your ICGMV um, conference, you talked about drop-in visits. You know, there was a hypertensive um I think in a family practice clinic, they had hypertension drop-in visits. And that worked well because it was quick. I mean, that's what that community needed. They needed a, somebody to check, to adjust medications, to get a reading, and they're trusted. And that's that's a type of a group visit, right? And so you don't have to have the same kind. And, and what I love about what you just said, too, is that nurturing platform. One of the biggest things that warmed my heart is hearing a patient say, at the end of one of the visits, wow, I didn't even know I needed this. I have my church group. I have my mom's group. I have my book club group. And now I have this cool like health group that I never really knew, you know? And I think that's what you're showing, especially the under-resourced communities, that this is great. Now they can seek out each other and be healthy and not be that deviant that is all by themselves trying to figure out life, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Bringing, bringing people together and you know, creating the environment. We we have thirty weekly group visits in my small private practice for the underserved, right? And uh, some of them are this empowerment model. Some of them are very prescribed, and uh, and we're kind of really trying to expand um, as much as we can to accommodate more people coming to our practice. You know, it, it's really uh, by we accept all types of insurance. Uh, and so we, uh, my personal practice has about 70% Medicare, Medicaid patients, and, uh, most practices wouldn't be able to afford that, but because of our economy of scale, uh, seeing so many people, uh, in combination with some new pay models that we've experimented with, uh, we're really able to, to do things, uh, and I think a very compassionate way that's more service oriented and not as education based. Yeah. Are you inspired to run your own group visits? Or maybe you already are hosting group visits, but they've gotten a little stale. Have no fear. I am doing another pop-up workshop just about this topic, and it is called All-in-One Group Visits, Educating Patients, Market Services, and Generate Leads. Yep, you can do all of this. You will learn how to master the art of multifunctional group visits that catalyze empowerment and community. I'm going to share the catalyst method of hosting group visits that can serve a wide variety of patient types and diagnoses and needs. You'll learn how to foster community. You're going to get the exact downloads of my templates, SOPs, the terms and conditions, disclaimers, and you'll learn how the catalyst group visit can really help you not only maximize the feeling of support and community in your membership practice, but also it can generate leads. You can provide mini courses with the recorded content inside that group visit. There's so many endless opportunities to benefit and grow and scale your practice using group visits. So join me on March 14th at 5.30 Central Time, where I will have a pop-up workshop, and I'd love to see you there. Look at the link in my bio, and I can't wait to see you. Let's color outside the lines of medicine together and make group visits a fun reality. I'd like to dig in deeper on that. The, the having, you know, that's the other thing is, is we hear these, these rumors or horror stories that you can't do group visits because it'll have a red flag for their insurance company if they have too many uh, of these, you know, uh, billing, you know, 99213s or 214s or whatever have you. Um, is there any little missteps that you've learned along the way that maybe could help save somebody else some angst, uh, little tidbits that you would speak on that? Yeah, I mean, you you just have to treat everyone the same. So that's the first rule about uh, avoiding things like fraud or or what have you. Um, you, you know, early on, uh, I didn't have the capacity to see people every week or what have you, right? 
Um, and I think there is something to be concerned about if you're running a practice and you're seeing someone every week for a condition, you can't expect the insurance company to pay for 52 visits a year for diabetes or 52 visits a year for anything really. You know, that's kind of out of the norm of what companies pay for. So as you design your group model, you know, you may want to have a monthly time when you bill people. You know, maybe people could come every week, but you only bill them once a month. But you, you got to treat everyone the same. So you can't say, oh, someone with this insurance, I'm going to see this much. Someone with a copay, I'm going to see that much. You know, you just got to treat everyone the same. And so, you know, my advice is, is really get away from billing everybody every week uh, because that could be fraudulent, right? That is Absolutely. something to be careful of. And when we teach about it, it's it's one of the things that we show many different ways to avoid that because, you know, there's so many people who need care, especially in my community. It's not as much of an issue for me, you know, but if you're going to be taking care of just a very small amount of people, well, then, yeah, you might have to be thoughtful of that. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And, you know, and allowing that kind of to uh, frame, you know, what kind of group visit, whether it is, you know, some, like you said, educational curriculum based with a graduation date, you know, everybody is done at this time, or, you know, these drop in kind of group visits. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. I feel like this is such a creative way to help expand healthcare, you know, because like you said, you you couldn't serve the number of people that you could serve without having group visits. It was almost that this necessity made you invent this modality. Um, where do you see group visits going in the future? Well, I, I live a little bit in the future. You know, I've been uh, lucky enough to be uh, working with uh, most recently Scott Early, who uh, runs Kronos Health. So that's a private practice. And in that private practice, he's worked on direct contracting with Medicare and Medicaid. And we also work within uh, accountable care organization and ACO. And so the direction we're going is towards value-based, they call it, but really capitated healthcare. And uh, so our outcomes are likely to be better than the outcomes of someone that does not provide as many services, right? So if you have someone who feels cared for and they have less loneliness, uh, we know that loneliness is the bigger, biggest driver of emergency room visits, right? That's not non-medical, right? Right. Yeah, it's anxiety and this is medical. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. hard, to, hard to frame it. Right. And so uh, our groups reduce loneliness. I've done research on it, our groups, the way we run them. So I, I know that my patients, because they have a home and they feel cared for, if they're sick, they're going to call us first or they're going to come in and let us know. They're not going to go to an emergency room. They may not seek out a specialist. And so we're providing less expensive care. And so by aligning ourselves with value-based uh, contracts, and uh, we're really in, in a good position for the future. And I'm excited uh, to share our outcomes. Uh, right now, the problem for the little guy like us is that uh, they don't pay you in advance. So when they do capitated care, they say, okay, you do the work and then we'll figure out the details a couple years later and then we'll give you a check. And so because we're small, we have to get through these, these years right now. And uh, so, you know, just I'll, I'll just say we all make sacrifices for what we believe in. And uh, that goes right down through all of our staff to uh, wow. who've been working with me for over 16 years and uh, right through to our leadership. And, uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty optimistic that in a year or so, when our data comes back and we show the shared savings, and uh, then it becomes a model for the whole country to use. And, and we are set up to show that. In other words, we, we, we can, we're, we're tracking everything. And, you know, that, that I think is what I'm hap most happy about is that potential contribution where people will suddenly be saying, oh, we have to, oh no, we have to do group visits, <laughs> you know? Yes. Don't like doing group visits. And then in a couple months ago, oh my God, this is amazing. That's amazing. I love that you're, you are, again, you are in the future. I mean, really, let's, let's be honest. You're, you're already <laughs> tracking data outcomes. And I'm just curious, can you say, are you a promise score kind of outcome? I know you probably track a lot of data, but do you have a favorite outcome metric that is one that you use frequently? Uh, I've used a lot of metrics in the past. Alara, we are using money. So we are going to show shared savings. And uh, if we generate revenue for the insurance companies, 
and for ourselves, that is the biggest proof of the model because ultimately what we want to do is improve health. And we are tracking these indicators of health. And from what I understand, you know, we work with a local ACO and we're the highest performing site for that ACO. And I know it's because of the integrative things we do. I know it's because of the groups that we do. I know it's because we're a smaller place that answers the phone. You know, there's a lot of things you can point to that says, oh, yeah, I know why we're doing well. And uh, we aren't great. You know, we're, we're just a regular practice. You know, we have bad days. We have good days. We have staffing issues. You know, as I mentioned, our salaries may not be on par with other places, so it's harder to recruit people. But, um, you know, I think the future is very bright. And I think that uh, some of my mistakes have been using these other measures. You know, when you, when you say, oh, uh, my first study showed that loneliness reduced in two weeks by like 80%. Oh my God. Yeah, whatever. Right. Because loneliness didn't really exist and you can't bill for it. And, yep. you know, way to go, Jeff. Good job. Right. It's, but it didn't change healthcare at all. Um, and then, you know, a lot of my later work, it shows um, that group visits reduce pain and they reduce, uh, you know, have better outcomes. I think centering pregnancy has shown that there's better outcomes, but they haven't shown cost savings. And I think that's ultimately what. That's what speaks. I, I hate to say it. That's what I think the world cares about. So I'm I'm psyched to deliver anti loneliness medicine and and really make people feel special and you know give massages to people in pain because it helps their pain. You know makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, but really, I think uh, I'm really excited for what we find out in the next year or so. And uh, if we can simply pay our bills, that's great. But I think we're going to exceed that, and then. Um, you know, then it's a viable model. We can take care of poor people, giving them high quality care and, uh, and uh, their health is better. There's less provider burnout. You know, all, all the indicators are good. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. And I'm, I'm sharing this optimism because it's evident you're a very values and mission driven organization. It comes from your heart and how amazing to prove the profit. Cause you're right. That's the only thing that talks right now is money. Um, but before I, I have one final question, I have my second to last question, which is how do you protect against, uh, you mentioned it's better for burnout, but there are some boundaries that, you know, we we talk about in my mentorship. I talk about physician care and nurse practitioner self-care because, you know, when you're in this community, it can feel very fun. And that also can invite a lot of potential for, you know, boundaries to be breached if you're at the grocery store and suddenly everybody's talking to you. Do you have any words to say on how we can keep this so that these don't bloat into, you know, a, a three-hour visit because everyone needs to tell you about, you know, what's going on? Do you have any advice on that? Yeah, I mean, it's in the structure of the group. You know, the group isn't about me, so I'm not the main focal point. You know, people might talk with each other and then as they're leaving, they can continue to talk. Um, and I think people have a tremendous sense of who I am as a person. I mean, I'm not sharing who I am with you, everything, but, you know, when I went to Sri Lanka, everyone was asking me, what was it like? And, uh, what, you know, what was the most interesting thing and what were the mosquitoes? And, and so I'm a real person. And I think in a lot of doctor practices, you're not a, considered a real person. You know, you're, you're, a, must be real smart, must be real aggressive, must be whatever the stereotype of a doctor is. And then I come to work and, and they see I come to work sometimes when I'm not 100%. And, you know, I, I really feel like the community is rooting for me and, and I'm rooting for them. So if I see someone in a supermarket, I say hi. I don't share any medical things that would be embarrassing, you right. know, and I might say, well, you know, you have access to me. Are you going to come in next Thursday? Let's talk about it, right? So when you have that sort of level of access, you're not as precious, you know, um, people, don't, people don't feel you have to, you know, look, I'll be there next Tuesday. You don't, we don't need to have this conversation right here in the supermarket. Right. Oh my gosh. Bingo. That is the biggest gold right there. And I think that is what I find as well. It's that you have more access. So you aren't precious. You're not a commodity that they rarely get to see. And I've, I've told this to, I think a lot of our, you know, training in medicine is very much, it, it 
helps us become an you know imposter syndrome perfectionist high achiever that we have to have a persona and maybe it's i'm lucky to live in a small community a small rural farming community so everybody knows everybody so my yes. community is bigger so the chances of me running into someone isn't always 100% but i imagine for you it's more yeah right but i think not to fear that is is the big thing if you if you understand the whole reason behind group visits is for connection um you understand that you're a, you, you're a human. You can take off that perfectionistic hat. You can take off that imposter syndrome and that expert. And I've hosted my group visits with hair drenched because I went out for a walk and it and it rained, you know. And I've I've been pushing my cart full of Dorito chips because my teens had a sleepover. And my patients laugh when they say, "Oh, what are you doing, Doctor Lara?" And I'm like, "Yep, well, it's it's teen sleepover night, you know." That's the reality that patients want. They don't want an idol. They don't want somebody who tells you everything perfect, you know, to eat or organic everything. They want a real person like you, Dr. Jeff, who, you know, is going to bring cashews and say, let's try this. This is exciting. Um, so I just love that you're you're inspiring me just to, you know, <laughs> follow in your footsteps. And I'm excited to hear what Kronos Health has. But before we we end, I want to talk about your a beautiful soul that is also creative. Tell me about your children's books. That that just lit me up when oh. I heard that you write children's books. So I'm I'm Jewish. Let's start there. And I work in a community where there are not a lot of other Jewish people. And so every Christmas I find myself working, right? Because that's what us non-Jewish people do. I'm sorry, non-Christian people do. So I wrote so my daughter would, uh, my wife is Christian, and I come from a family that has other beliefs too, people from the Philippines, people from other places. And so um, I wrote a children's book, Herschel the Jewish Reindeer. Herschel works Christmas so the Christian reindeer can be home with their family. And it's just a very simple story, um, does not get very much into different religions, uh, conflicts, or anything like that. But what it portrays to kids, I hope, is that, you know, if I ask my friend who's a Hindu elf, he'll say, sure, I'll help. And or a Muslim gnome, sure, I'll help. Or a Jewish reindeer, sure, I'll help. Um, so in that way, it's just a very simple message. And uh, it became quite popular when it first came out uh, as a way of teaching kids that there are different religions out there. But yeah, that, that kind of also comes from my medical career now that I think about it. And when I worked with groups, some of our groups, we wrote children's stories as well. One of my Suboxone groups wrote a book called Daddy Used to Be Sick and He's Much Better Now. Oh. oh yeah. And, you know, it would just be uh, that comes out of the empowerment model where someone comes to the group one day and says, you know, I'm seeing my six-year-old son. I haven't seen him for years because I haven't been, you know, we used the word clean back then. I haven't been clean. Now I'm clean. I wish there was some book I could read to him. And then our group looked for a book and there wasn't one. So we wrote one and uh, it took like a year and a half to do that. Yeah. And uh, over Is that- Is it year, available on Amazon? Uh, better than that. It's free. It's uh, the Massachusetts, um, the DEA made it free and it's the number one resource in prisons. Well, it's the only resource in prisons <laughs> for children's books, but- um, so it's free, you can download it online. I don't know if you can still get copies, but the people in that group felt very proud. So it's not like I said, I'm gonna write a book run day. It's like, well, oh my God, I've been part of books before. Let me see if I could write this book, right? So so you give credit to the whole community and, um, but yeah. Uh, That's so, beautiful. so you can get, Daddy Used to Be Sick and He's Much Better Now is a, is a good book. And then uh, Herschel the Jewish Reindeer has now a friend, Harold the Reluctant Christmas Tree. <laughs> and uh, that's, 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 you know, for your eight, eight and nine-year-olds. But uh, thanks for bringing them up. It's fun to talk about them. Oh, my goodness. You are definitely a renaissance man of many mm -hmm. talents. So I just love being able to dish about creativity. I mean, in, in my world, that's the intersection is creativity and science and medicine. It's all one. You know, um, we aren't here just to be robotic physicians or nurse practitioners. We are here to show up as a self-expressive clinician that is living our work-life masterpiece. And all those little nuggets are what make you, you. And I encourage everybody to dust off their, their hobby and practice that sixth vital sign of creativity because we need that. We need to reach into our patients and ask, have, what lights you up? You know, when is, when is your next time you're going to play with your hobby? And was the last time you played? So I love that you're already in touch with that. And in closing, thank you, Dr. Jeff, 
for being here and for sharing time with me. And I'm going to put all those links in the show notes, um, how to reach you, how to get your books. And in closing, what would be the best way that people can connect with you if they're interested in learning more about integrative medicine and group visits? So, so share our website. We, um, we're a true nonprofit, by the way. I'm the president. I don't earn a salary. Paula Gardner, she's one of the lead researchers in group visits. She's part of our organization. Um, so our website just has a ton of resources for free for people to use. We have our annual conference coming up. If you're doing anything in group visits, please come to the conference and share. Uh, it's such a cool place to be with group people, about group people, you know, talking about sometimes little things, talking about the difficulty starting. So our website, www.icgmv.org, is probably the best starting place for people to go. We have trainings. We've never turned anyone away, by the way, for financial reasons. So if you can't afford to come to the conference, just send a little email. Can't afford to do one of the trainings, just let us know. Um, because our, our mission is to bring group visits to everybody. and. Um, you know, we teach multiple models, right? So we you, we, you don't need to just know one thing. You can learn a whole bunch of things. Yeah, I agree. And, and I second that. To shout oh, that out. <laughs> my gosh, Dr. Jeff, it, I second that to anybody thinking about it. Even though you think you're doing group visits a certain way, it's so fun to see all the different flavors and ways that people have been innovative. Um, and I love the speakers you had. You had people teaching how to do simple drop-in group visits all the way to multimodality, you know, staff curriculum. And they even shared their, their templates and their SOPs. It's such a heartfelt um, organization. You can feel the mission and the vision through everything that was put together at that conference. So definitely check out icgmv.org and I'll put all those notes in our show notes. And thank you again for being a catalyst of transformation in healthcare, Dr. Geller. Thanks, Laura. Look forward to listening to your other podcasts and um, good luck with your journey on group visits as well. Thank you. And for all our listeners, thank you for listening. Keep coloring outside the lines and practice that sixth vital sign of creativity. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Catalyst Podcast. My vision is a world without burnout, and my mission is to teach 1 million medical professionals how to tap into creativity and flow to increase joy and well-being. We all deserve a medical career that is self-expressive, unique, and creative. You can help by signing up for my newsletters. One of my highest values is gratitude, so I love giving back. And each newsletter is gamified. The more you share, the more you win. It's easy to sign up. Just go to drlarasalier.com forward slash win. Thank you for coloring outside the lines with me. 